Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Kahn. If we're going to be concerned about how we're going to be doing financially, it's very important to try and make it something that's also, you know, fun to do. Let's figure out ways in which we can spend these years making some money and also having a good time doing it. Today on episode 478 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with positive health psychologist and author, Dr. Ron Kaiser. I'm going to ask Ron how to age and be financially secure in a physically, socially, and intellectually active manner, and much more. Find out more about Ron, along with all of our previous episodes, at smashingtheplateau.com. Now, before we jump into this incredibly important topic with Ron, I want to tell you a little bit about how you can stand out from your competition. It's a noisy world out there. Your business is unique, and you want someone on your team who can really help you smash through the digital chaos and get noticed by your ideal customers. With the capabilities to meet all of your marketing needs, SiteHub can make your unique vision come to life. At the end of this episode, you will have an opportunity to listen to SiteHub's CEO, Sean McKay, offer you tips to help you stand out in your marketplace. So make sure you listen all the way to the end to get Sean's marketing tip. And for my listeners, SiteHub is offering several free marketing tools to help you grow. You can get your free copy at smashingtheplateau.com slash SiteHub. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash SiteHub. Now let's welcome Dr. Ron Kaiser. Ron is a positive health psychologist and author. At age 81, he works as director of psychology in one of the world's leading headache centers, and he's also the founder of Goal Achieving Psychology. In recent years, he has directed many of his efforts to helping our growing population of older adults to age in a physically, socially, and intellectually active manner. His own lifestyle serves as a positive role model for this approach. Ron's recently published book, Rejuvenaging, The Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm, has been an Amazon bestseller. Ron, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Thank you. Nice to be with you, David. So, Ron, what is your lifestyle and why is it so remarkable? Well, I don't know if it's totally remarkable. There are some other people who do similar things. What might make it a little bit unusual is the fact that I am 81 years old and I do work full time uh, directing the, the uh, headache center at Jefferson University, but I also uh, have kind of a, a part-time gig doing uh, a website and promoting the notion of rejuvenating. Uh, the writing the book obviously took some some time beyond the regular work life, but in addition, I do uh, work out at a gym three days a week. In addition to taking a yoga class, my wife and I are very active. Uh, we have about four. Uh, concert and lecture series that we attend. And since we live in the center city of Philadelphia, we're able to walk the nine blocks each way to, to get to most of them. And also we try to maintain as active a social life as possible. And one of the 
things that I try to emphasize in this regard is staying active with a broad range of individuals, with broad age range. So what's the age range of your close friends? They range from the 30s into other people in the 80s, some of whom I know through work, some uh, from the neighborhood, some from the gym, uh, various places. But I do try and stay conscious of it because I think that it's pretty critical, particularly for those of us who do want to achieve and continue to, to build and influence others, to know how others think, to know how young people think, to not see them as this other generation that's screwing up everything that we did, right? Uh, you know, so I, I do try and say, you know, 30s through the 80s, and, and some of my patients actually are younger than that. Right. Ron, why do you think it's so hard for many people to achieve the kind of lifestyle that you have? I think that there's something kind of built in in terms of expectations that really doesn't make sense anymore. It wasn't that long ago when the expectation was that you would retire and maybe live a few years uh, and there wouldn't be you know, that much to, to build toward. The reality is that now you have people who enter the workforce in their mid-20s they may take an early retirement by the age of 60, and then they may really wind up living longer and having more time on their hands after they retired than they did in their time in the workforce. So under those circumstances, it makes no sense to build a lifestyle around watching TV, being sedentary, not paying attention to what you put into your body, how you treat your body, not nourishing your mind, and so on. So I think that the problem is that we haven't had people oriented toward encouraging this active lifestyle. If you just look at things that have been written, my, my book is kind of an outlier. It's not the only one, but you can find a whole lot more to read about uh, Alzheimer's, dementia, other medical issues, and so on. And I think it's very important that we redefine the second half century of life as an active time. Right. And looking at the financial side of it, for how many people is the possibility of retirement and then living a fairly long life in quote unquote retirement, even financially feasible? Yeah, that's that's a major problem. I mean, I, the statistics really are pretty clear in showing that that a lot of people aren't really prepared to outlive their money if they live a reasonable uh, span of life, if they live 20 years beyond retirement. So I think that from a very practical standpoint, it's important to not think in terms of uh, retirement as the only option as you age, but also as what can we do in terms of rejuvenating, what can we do in terms of redefining ourselves, something I've tried to do with, with myself and I'm still going through. Uh, and I think that it's very important uh, if, if we're going to be concerned about how we're going to be doing financially, it's very important to try and make it something that's also, you know, fun to do. Let's figure out ways in which we can spend these years making some money and also having a good time doing it. Okay. So um, 
What are some of the keys to success? Well, I think that in, in my book, Rejuvenating, for example, I've identified seven keys for rejuvenating. And I think it all starts with the mindset. The mindset is our characteristic ways of doing things and reacting to things so that we may have a positive mindset, a negative mindset, growth-oriented, fixed mindset, a winner's mindset, and so on. So I think that if we can begin recognizing that, hey, aging can be a really cool time of life, let's maximize our potential for doing so. And then if we really start with the mindset, then other things fall into place. Then we start thinking about what we do with our intellect. We don't assume that it's going to decline, but what can we do to enhance it? What do we do about healthy eating? When we're younger, we may hear about the importance of good health, but there may not have been the kind of consequences that can occur as we age. What do we do about exercise? And I I, kind of call it owning your body because I include things like meditation and yoga and things of that nature, along with with, uh, more intense exercise. How do we involve ourselves with others and with a broad range of others? I always encourage people to think in terms of doing good for others, both as a means of encouraging socialization, because if you don't have a broad range of friends, one of the ways of acquiring them is to, to volunteer or get active with an organization. But also there's a thing called a helper's high. When you do good for other people, it really makes you feel better. And then also another key is to really appreciate you know, what's, what's going on around you, to take in the good of what you're experiencing. That you know, if it's a beautiful day, appreciate that it's a beautiful day. If it's not a great day, appreciate the fact that you're living in a place where you have seasons. Appreciate the fact that you're you're up and active every day. If you're if you've traveled into uh, an appointment someplace, uh, think of how many cars you passed that didn't hit you. You know, it doesn't have to be really dramatic kinds of things. I, for example, just appreciating the fact that. Uh, my son and daughter-in-law are including us in our grandchildren's lives. It's not something we take for granted. So I think all of these things are keys that help you to move forward. And then that enables you, if you are choosing to, to develop a business or to continue to work at, at the job you've been doing, it enables you to not see yourself as somebody who's apart from the rest of the world, but basically fitting in with the rest of society. So if I could, I was taking some notes. So if I can summarize the, the seven keys, you'll tell me if I've, if I've gotten them right. Mindset, particularly having a, a positive one, uh, one that's focused on growth and, and a winner's mentality, um, having uh, stimulating intellectual activity, good nutrition, exercise, involvement with others, uh, particularly doing good for others, gratitude, appreciating what's going on around you. And am I missing one? You were listening well. Aha. Okay, good. So for someone who may not have focused on any of these, can it seem a bit overwhelming? Well, it can seem a bit overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be. For example, in my book, uh, with the seven keys, I've identified 71 specific behaviors. 
And that can be starting with some really easy stuff. For example, if you haven't exercised, uh, there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, three times a week, I'm going to walk around a couple of blocks before I think of, you know, going to the gym or anything of that nature, that I'm just going to start, you know, kind of slow in this regard, uh, that from a social standpoint, just being able to call a friend that we haven't really been in touch with in a while, that's not all that hard and doesn't require much risk on our part. Being able to say, okay, I'm going to read 15 minutes a day to stimulate the intellect. You know, again, these, these things are, are necessary, but not overwhelming if you start small. Uh, in fact, it's, it's really best to start small because if you try and change everything all at once, there's a real good chance that, that you're going to fall short of it. So the, the important thing is that they be small steps, but they be in the right direction. Right. So, Ron, um, for someone, you know, we talked earlier about the, the financial implications of the difference between what may have been culturally expected in terms of the way we work versus the lifespan that many people have today. For someone who is an employee who gets to the point where some choices need to be made about how to provide some uh, financial sustenance, financial sustenance that, that also includes a lifestyle around these key elements to rejuvenating that you've described, are there ways that that person can think about planning for the future, especially if the future ends up being a decade, two decades or more, where there needs to be the kind of multiple aspects to his or her activity, like, like we just described, along with some kind of income that may not be coming from employment because that's just not feasible. What have you seen that can help combine maybe some kind of business aspect that provides income along with uh, these various kinds of activities? Sure. First of all, I, I would say that in many cases, continuing to be employed may, may still be feasible. In many cases, say a part-time you may be better than a full-time somebody else as far as an employer is concerned. So sometimes that can be negotiated as a, as a helpful thing. But I think otherwise, it's important to recognize that this is probably uh, the golden age of being able to do things kind of above and beyond normal employment, that the Internet offers opportunities uh, both for learning materials, but also to develop your own skills and to promote that. In other words, by the time somebody gets to uh, the senior years, They've got some some real skills available to them based on what they've done. And I think the first thing that, that somebody really has to do is do a, a self-assessment of what skills you have and also have the confidence to see, is this something that I can share with others? Or to, you know, I guess one of the best examples I can give is myself when I decided, hey, you know, I'm leading a lifestyle that I wish other people led, and I've seen people not lead it, 
and really go downhill with shortened longevity, lessened health, so on. So I think that, and I then utilize that for the book. I'm now looking toward uh, building a course. I'm looking toward building a membership site and a podcast based on helping people in this regard. Many people have skills that that they may not really tap into uh, until they, they really give it some thought. I've got a friend who moved from business to uh, starting a, uh, a small business to help under, underemployed people uh, learn some skills in the carpentry and cabinet making area. I've known people, a person who gave up a law practice or slowed down her law practice and is helping people uh, in the age in the aging process to negotiate things like uh, senior citizens communities, uh, medical uh, and other kinds of services. So I think that one of the, the first things to really be aware of is that it's a lot easier. You don't have to go open a store someplace. There's a lot of things that you can do online and build on that. And there's a, a lot of information available online, including from from you, David. Yeah. So obviously, you, know, you, you and I are both examples of people that are providing um, a lot of resources online, doing business online. How how long ago did you, Ron did you start thinking about pursuing some kind of activity that would involve a business online? I would say that about four years ago. In other words, in 2011, I developed a website to share some of my ideas on goal achieving psychology and related activities. But I basically was giving away a lot of information rather than seeing it as a potential business. Say about four years ago, I developed a plan that looked at, you know, getting the book out there first and then looking at these other projects, uh, membership site, uh, course, another book, hopefully, and so on. And I had to get through a couple of things to get there. One is just, you know, kind of being able to take the risk that somebody is going to think that what I've got to say is important or am I just fooling myself? So risk taking is is something I had to uh, develop. And then I had to commit myself to the time to be able to work at my full-time job while essentially transitioning over to a part-time job and hopefully eventually kind of reversing those two roles. And then I had to seek advice. You know, again, this this isn't nowadays, it's fairly easy because there are people who have been successful. It doesn't mean that you can follow their exact formula to be successful, but it does mean that you don't have to start from scratch and get discouraged and make some mistakes that you don't know what happens after that, that there are people you can seek for advice. So I'd say this whole process, the actual transforming it to a business has been about four years. I started writing the book in 2016, and I think that was the real catalyst to move it forward. Right. So um, one of my takeaways from this is that 
it doesn't happen instantaneously. It's a process. Um, second is you can break it down into a process so it's not so daunting. And if you plan effectively, you can get your, um, your goals to come to reality. Yeah, I'm a believer in small steps as long as they're going in the right direction. Absolutely. At what point, it, given sort of world economics and how people work and live today, when do you think individuals should start thinking about these keys to rejuvenating? Is it something that we should be thinking about when we're close to your age? Is it something we should be thinking about when we're maybe in our 40s or 50s? Or is it something we should be thinking about much earlier? I kind of consider it as being analogous to planning for retirement. I think it's never too early, but I think if you're reaching the second half century of life, uh, if you haven't given it some thought, uh, and, and for some people, it's not going to require a whole lot of thought because there may be a, a particular progression either in their profession or in a, a family business, for example, so on. But if you haven't given it some thought by the early 50s, then I think you're going to be behind. I do think, uh, just like everything else, I think it becomes much more of uh, an issue with more motivation as I wouldn't call it a crisis, but as as we get to the point where there are going to have to be some decisions made. So I, I've kind of pitched my work kind of looking at people, say, in their early 60s, uh, when they have to make some thoughts about Social Security coming up. Nowadays, there aren't many places that have mandatory retirement uh, situations unless the job can be demonstrated to be related to to slowing down because of age. But there are many jobs where uh, the the atmosphere is a young person's atmosphere. You can change the atmosphere or you can change yourself and look at what are some things that I can do to make myself both useful and happy as the years go on. And again, I think you I think you should be thinking of it at least by the 50s, but I think it gets real in the 60s. Ron, in addition to the information that you have in your book, what are some of the ways that uh, someone who's interested in tapping into some of the resources that you have available, what are some of the ways that they can start to, to access your information? Well, my website is called The Mental Health Gym. That's G-Y-M. So it's www.thementalhealthgym.com. And there are a lot of resources on there. There's a, there are a number of blogs, podcasts, and uh, there are some free things that you get when you join the gym. There are things that I call exercise cards, which uh, are not necessarily for physical exercise, but they enable you to monitor and make moves in the right direction. If your plan is to exercise three days a week, you can monitor that. If your plan is to be able to call three people this week, you can monitor that. If, you, if your plan is to read 15 minutes a day and then gradually increase it to a half hour, there are ways of monitoring that. Also, I'm in the process of getting a on the the website for people who join their my my first book is an ebook called 
what can go right, the thinking person's guide to making good things happen. I'm in the process of revising it, so I'm making a PDF of the original material available to people who are members of the mental health gym. And of course, if anybody is, uh, as I hope they will be, interested in reading Rejuvenating, that's available in three formats on Amazon, the printed format, uh, the ebook, and the audiobook version. That sounds great. And Ron, if someone wants to get in touch with you directly, how do they do that? Okay, it's ron.kaiser at thementalhealthgym.com. I'm pretty good about uh, responding. Ron, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. You've shared some really, really important insights and strategies for living a fulfilling life and a, and a fulfilling business life if you're in business. My guest today has been positive health psychologist and author, Dr. Ron Kaiser. Thank you again, Ron, for joining us. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Do you want to do a better job of smashing through the digital chaos and getting noticed by your ideal customers? I'd like to share this tip by Sean McKay, the CEO of SiteHub. I don't call SiteHub an advertising agency because I don't believe it's the magic pill. People today think that all they need to do is run some Facebook ads or put up a billboard and all of their business problems are going to be solved. <laughs> I don't think so. Too many good competitors out there are doing all the right things correctly in every single niche. And so you can't just skimp out to earn big portions of the pie. You have to do everything right. That's why I came up with the business model ARC. A, awareness. That's your ads, your visibility, your earned media. R, reputation. It's your reviews, your credibility, your findability on the internet. And C, conversion. That's oftentimes your website. You have to do all these things correctly or you're not going to grow. Really, too, you need to start backwards. Start with conversion, build up your reputation, and then finally, at the end, it's time to perhaps run some ads. Thank you, Sean. For Sean's free resources to learn how you can apply what you've heard to your business, go to smashingtheplateau.com slash sitehub. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash sitehub. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them smash the plateau. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode. <laughs>